Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but it can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello to you. You're looking lovely today. How are you? You're right, I do sound pretty upbeat. It's because I've got this beautiful sunshine that's coming in through the window. It's Sunday afternoon and it's gorgeous out there. I'm going to take the kids out in a minute. It's a really sparkling day. I love autumn days like this. That sunshine is actually really gorgeous. It's actually pretty hot. <laughs> um, it's going to force me to go outside, which is a good thing. I spent all of yesterday indoors. I've had a very lazy weekend following about two weeks of quite intense promotion for my new album, which is called Songs from the Kitchen Disco. So it's a thing close to my heart as it was inspired by the kitchen discos that we had around here. But I must confess, it's a mixed bag doing promotion when you're basically at home all the time, because on the one hand, it's much more convenient, but on the other, it stops the things you're doing having that much space. So you end up cramming that in amongst still trying to get on with stuff at home. So, yeah, I think I found it pretty tiring, but I'm also very relieved because the album did well, and I could feel my shoulders drop a couple of inches on Friday when... We finally had a chart position and everybody is, who's been part of the release was uh, relaxed and happy and celebrating rather than asking me to do more stuff. That's good. And big thanks to my management, uh, Derek and Sabira, who've worked really hard because it's actually quite a small operation that gets behind me when I put albums out because I've been bringing them out on my own label for the last, oh, I think it's four releases now. That's exciting. Um I've just realised, though, while I'm thanking my management, that the chances of Derek hearing that thank you are teeny tiny. I do not think Derek has listened to any of my podcasts. That's fine. He's probably not my target demographic, you know, <laughs> talking about uh, raising young family and being someone who feels like you've got a lot on the go with family and work as his children are quite grown up, really. But also, I don't know, maybe I'm underestimating him. Maybe Derek has been a keen listener and he's just kept it quiet. So, Derek, if you are listening, why don't you come and phone me and I will buy you anything you want off your Amazon wish list or, you know, an extra special Christmas present. You only have to say that you heard this message and I will just ramp up whatever it is I'm going to get you for Christmas purely by you just acknowledging you listen. 
What do you think the chances are? It's pretty tiny. Pretty teeny tiny. Anyway, this week's guest is lovely Jessie Cave, who... Two things. One, she's probably the person who lives mm, arguably the closest to me. She's only about a 10-minute walk from me. And the, also the only other person I've spoken to where she's um, been pregnant at the time of recording. Not the only other. There is no other. She is the only person that I've spoken to while she's been having a baby. And she very much was having a baby. She's about three weeks from having a little boy, Abraham, who is now safely and happily in the world. And uh, Jessie was, yeah, about to drop. And we had a lovely conversation all about the many things she is doing. She's just finished a book, her first work of fiction. She's also a keen cartoonist, artist. She uh, did a one-woman show at Edinburgh called Sunrise, which was really witty, all about the time that she wasn't with the father of her children, Alfie Brown, the comedian. They are now back together again, having their third baby. They already have a little boy and a little girl who are six and four. Uh, They got together... They uh, realised they were having a baby after a one-night stand. There's lots of stuff we talk about. We also talk about grief because, very sadly, Jessie lost her brother last year, so she's very open about that. Yeah, it was a really great chat. I really enjoyed her company. We'd never met before, but we got on really well, and I had a lovely time speaking to her and all the things she gets up to. And I love her creativity. She's clearly someone with a lot going on in her head and acts on all the impulses. Her home is really beautiful and light and bright. And I think you're going to warm to her too. So thanks very much for finding me here. And uh, Derek, just say the word and I will get you an extra special Christmas present for acknowledging you listen to my podcast. <laughs> As we are chatting, you're now three weeks away from having yeah. your third baby. Yeah, we hope it's three weeks because I've just got so much to do. So, yeah, how's it all going? Because I see that you've had a very important day yesterday where you hit a deadline for a book. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Well, it's so weird, this whole period of time, because I got the book deal last April. So I've been working on it since then. But obviously... As in April last year? Last year, so 2019. So I've been working on it slowly since then. Then I sped up towards the end of last year. And then I had a little bit of a break doing other stuff. And then I started really working on it from just before I got pregnant. So the, the baby's been there the entire time, mm. kind of inside me. Um, and then obviously the, the you know, co- coronavirus happened. So the whole book, gestation and pregnancy, has been within this really strange period of time, along with grief with my brother last year. So it's been just such a weird couple of years almost now yeah. of just all of this stuff happening, like really big life stuff whilst the biggest stuff in my career has happened. So it's, it's bizarre. My mum always said when we were growing up, um, whenever anything happened, she would always be like, well, you know, you just, the bar keeps, you just keep, the the bar keeps rising. You just have Mm. to keep, you just have to keep, you know, that's, I think that's what she said. But something (laughs) like, you know, the the more that happens, the better you are at coping. Okay. So I think that I. It's reassuring. Yeah, it is reassuring. I think I've just learned that you. Because um, so many people have said to me, like, why are you taking on this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing a podcast? Why are you doing a book? Why are you trying to do all of, you know, why are you having another baby? Um, but actually, I, I just can't see another way of working or, or being. I, well, I, I actually, I mean, we haven't met before today, mm. but um, I saw you on, on TV and I do feel there's a little bit of a kindred spirit in that because I have a habit of 
taking on lots and lots of stuff and then thinking, I'll figure out later how I'll actually get this all done. And I sort of feel like one day I'm going to look back on like the last sort of, I don't know, 10 years of my life and think, wow, that looks so exhausting. Like, how's I sort of going through all that? But finishing a book is a really big deal, especially with all those other as you say, big life events happening. Is this a work of fiction then? Yeah, it, well, it's the, first, it's the first time I've written fiction, but it's inspired by my relationship with Bibi, who's my sister, who I work a lot with. But, oh, it's, it's quite a long story, but basically, so our brother died last March and we were starting to work together before that on a live show. So, um, um, but we hadn't, we hadn't really written our show yet and we were going to Edinburgh and everything. And that was the plan for the next couple of years, really, of doing a big show with her, like comedy, um, not a play, but a weird show that I usually do, but with her now. And then Ben died and it all, it just all collapsed. But the only thing that the weird thing is looking back, the only thing that was, I was sure of was that I needed to keep working mm. because I think if I'd stopped for a second, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. So I was doing my show called Sunrise at the time, which had had like, which had done really, really well. And it was, I was like, I was, it, was, it sounds so stupid to say, but like I, I was on tour with it and I was coming back to finish the tour at the Soho Theatre. I'd had like four, four runs of the, of, at the Soho Theatre. I had, the, the tour had sold out. I'd done really well. It was, I remember being in Manchester for my final show there before I was going back to do the Soho Theatre the next day. And I took a selfie in the mirror and I remember thinking, I, I'm, this is the happiest I've ever been. Like, this is like, this is the top of my game. I feel like I've reached where I want to get right now in my career. I'm happy with my progress and happy with life and felt really good. And then, you know, two days later it happened. And so I'd started, I was at the Soho Theatre. It was my second, it was, it was my second night back and we found out in, like midnight on Thursday, and um, I mean, it's, it sounds it sounds mad to to record this, but I so Friday morning after you know the the the, the horror of that night, found out in the morning, and I remember thinking because I had another week and a half left in my run, mm. and I also needed the money, and I just remember thinking. I have to do my show tonight. I have to do my show tonight. Where, when my brother had just died, you know, and I couldn't tell anyone because if if you say, say to somebody, this happened last night and I'm doing a show, a one-woman show tonight, mm. you would look like you're the most horrible, insane, no, callous person. But so I couldn't tell anyone. My mum, though, this is this is just shows how amazing she is. She was like, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you. she had us to deal with. She had everything to deal with. She was like... I was like, I need to do this. I can't, if I don't do the show tonight, then I won't be able to do it again. No, well, I completely re- relate to a lot of that. But also, I don't think anyone would think it was horrible. I think they'd think that it's shock because how on earth do you process that? Well, it was shock. And I don't remember one thing. All I was told is that I was better because I was obviously so focused mm. that I wasn't letting anything in. So I wasn't letting anything the audience did or... I wasn't letting any superstition in or anything. I was just, it was, it was a survival thing. I needed to get through the hour and get home. Um, so, and I think that built me up to be able to survive 
until now with mm. the grief and stuff. And it also made sure that the treadmill that I was on right then with my career, it's kind of, it's meant that I've just kept going because, and I, and, and some people say, oh, it's stupid. You should stop and you should have a break and whatever. But like, I have, I mean, I, I don't work all the time at all, but like, I, I think if I hadn't have gone on that night to do mm. the show, to finish the run, to then keep working with BB, build the show, which was then founded on grief and our relationship and became complete therapy for us mm. um, and continued to be. So we did it in Edinburgh and then we did it throughout the autumn and we were building up to do the big show in March and then Edinburgh this year. And then all of this happened. So we then then I started writing the book alongside all of this. Um, and then the pandemic happened. Our shows were cancelled suddenly. And um, it became about, right, what do I what do I do now to make a living? And what's my, I think what I've always done, because I never planned to do any of the stuff that I'm doing. I never had Mm. a plan in what I wanted to do when I was older or anything. I think it's just like, what's the, what's the thing that I can do right now that I can do to the best of my ability? And then what's, what's the opportunity that comes? Mm. And I've learned to kind of get rid of the hope of somebody giving me something. So I don't expect anyone to give me a job which very rarely happens anyway, so that's good that I don't expect that. Um, so it's just basically been this treadmill. And so yesterday, handing in the book is, feels like, and the book is all about the relationship. It's about, it's about two sisters um, and one of them dies. And um, it's it's basically inspired by Ben, but it's me and Bibi. It's, it's our relationship, yeah. but it's complete fiction. It's not me, it's not her, but it's a sisters, two sisters who are so close and it's about, you know, my worst fear. If, if that would, that would be my worst fear. And now that I have an inkling of the, the pain mm. with Ben, um, I just was in such a, I was in such a perfect place to write something about that trauma. Mm. Um, so even though it is, it is based on reality, it's, it is complete fiction. So it's been incredibly therapeutic, but it was so funny because I handed it in yesterday and my mum was like, you're going to have a migraine. You're going to have a, you're going to have a big headache today. So cause, cause they, she's had the kids all week as I, as I finish, which has just been amazing. And, um, I was meant to get them back last night and she was like, just don't just not just, just get them back tomorrow. Just because I think you might have, you know, a bit of a calm down. And obviously I did and I didn't sleep all night, but it's just like, I feel like I'm at the end of this and I feel ready to have this baby. Yeah. Hopefully. (laughs) But you know, as well, I think, I mean, it's, it's nowhere near as tragic, but my stepdad died only two months ago. So, you know, I, I know a little bit about that, the way it feels to grieve someone when, they, when their death is really, really significant. And actually, I don't think anyone has the right to tell you how to grieve or what time scale it should follow or how it presents. And, you know, the day that John died in the morning, my brother and sister and I went back to my mum's house and, like you, were a very close family. And the first thing my mum did was put in an online supermarket delivery because she realised that Jack and Martha were going to be staying over. So, you know, the day that that happened, she was immediately into like, right, let's get the kids, make sure there's food tonight. And she was cooking supper and all these things. And I think, you know, it sounds a bit like your mum, you sort of go into that mode of like, well, I still want to nurture the people. Mm. But I do feel sometimes like there should be a word in the English language for, you have your own grief, but then that heartbreaking feeling of seeing someone you love really sad and not being able to fix it and you've obviously had to watch your mum go through something still going through something that's just Mm. you can't alleviate it no and that's I think that's the the trouble with people 
people misunderstand grief a lot because yeah. so much of the time death is natural it doesn't happen suddenly it's not a young person it's not a shock it's a lot of deaths are kind of easier to comprehend than a sudden well, yeah there's death with sadness but not trauma it, yeah you know tragedy what you know what happened with your brother is is tragic yes so it's kind of we've found throughout you know I've read so many books on death now I, I kind of I know about what I should do what I shouldn't be doing and actually it means nothing because no. and no one can say anything to make me feel better no one can say anything to my mum to make me feel better her feel better or my brothers and my sisters and no you know it's it's our we're we've basically had to accept that this is our life sentence now mm. and the only way through is to keep going and we're not going to have, you know, a period of grief and then we'll move on and we'll see the light and we'll be fine. It's This is the way it is. And it's been brutal. That's mm. that's a horrible realisation. But the sooner you accept that, the sooner you can make the most of your life. Yeah, well, I think sometimes when someone you love dies, it makes you want to be, you have to keep being your best version of yourself for, for them too. Mm. You know, you're you're still here, you're still doing things. And actually... For your mum and her understanding of you doing your show and continuing, she probably thought, I recognize, she knows you inside out. She probably thinks, I recognize in, in Jessie her need. That's how she's going to deal with it. Well, also because she was, she's so involved with every aspect of my work. So she makes my whatever, she makes my props, she makes my, um, so I always have, you know, sewn backdrops for everything I do. And it, she's always been, essentially my assistant which is amazing by the yeah, way she, actually makes she runs stuff. my doodle shop she's like literally works full-time for me I pay does her does she work as well still because she's a no, GP right now because so, after was. Ben was born so that was the third she stopped but she, we because me and Robbie were older um and we were kind of very competitive tennis players um she her full-time job was taking us to t- tournaments and and competing Wow. So she ever since, and, and you know what it's like with five, you, it's a business. Like you, yeah. <laughs> you, it's very difficult to have a normal <laughs> job with five kids, especially with such a, a span and age range. So she, she, her job was our manager essentially. And she still is all of us. She's heavily involved in every aspect of our lives. So, and with my, she literally is my, I mean, my employee. So, um, I wouldn't be able to earn money if she wasn't helping me. So she's, it's all related. And she, so with this week, she, she's been looking after the kids because she knows that I need to finish this and also knows what it's like having kids in the house and trying to work at the same time isn't necessarily the best thing for the kids. It's, I, I mean, I wanted them here. I would have easily, you know, well, I wouldn't have easily, I would have been, you know, horrible, but I would have preferred to have them in the house with me downstairs knowing they're asleep in the house then have them out the house but that's not good for them because so then if you've been in... writing here you would have had them, been doing it at night do you think yeah I've been working at night as well but um you you know the bedtime saga so like I can't I would have got to work you know two hours later than I would have in normal like, so it's just a way of her making sure that I can get as much work in in the final week and but she's um so the fact that she you know that I went on to do the show the next night she she would have been there with me usually she came to every show oh really she set up everything for me she was so the fact that she couldn't come to that show was also a big deal that night yeah but you know by the next week she was there I mean it was completely different obviously and it was a completely different show by that point because it was now a different world we were living in but um and and that's the that's the that's the horrible blunt truth now is that I live in a different world it's like Mm. 
I now have an understanding of, uh, you know, how awful it can be. And and then also the fact that Donnie and Margot were only... So Margot is two. Was she two? So she's just turned four. So it was last March. So basically Donnie had just turned four, yeah. was four-ish, and Margot was two-ish, three-ish. So they were so... They had no idea. Um, and actually, I think that saved all of us because we had to keep you know, pretending for them. Mm. I know that some people, all of the books say that's not a good thing. All of the books say, be be honest with children and all that. I don't care what they say because right there and then I was like, I cannot tell them this has happened because if I tell them, then every single time I look at them and they're having a tantrum or they're a bit sad at a play club or something, I'll look and I'll watch them and I think I've made them sad. Whereas I want to know for, I want to just keep pretending for a little bit that, they can be kind of blissful kids. Yeah. So I've tried to keep that up for as long as possible, but they definitely have an understanding. But um, well, they pick up on things anyway, but they might, I mean, especially a sadness of their, their mum, that's, it's often quite hard for them to not be aware of it, but maybe because of what happened to your brother as well, maybe they don't want to be thinking about the possibility of accidents and unexpected dark things. That's quite a big thing mm. when you're small, isn't it? I'm just trying to keep like not thinking about that kind of side of things. But I think that, I've tried to kind of keep the the the, be, the best thing about young children is that there's I just find them so joyful all yeah, the time. Definitely. So it's been just such a like an alleviation. Mm. And I think if they weren't if if I, if we hadn't if my mom hadn't had them and if Bibi hadn't had them and if you know if if our family hadn't had them around to kind of keep being happy for, I think it would have been a horrible period of time. It's been a horrible period of time anyway, but at least we've had these kind of moments of like amazing joy and yeah no they're definitely they're such a tonic and actually um I when my after my grandpa died I had my fourth baby because it felt like I remember when I was in the the church's funeral I thought there's the sum of your life really is who loves you and who you know who you loved and that's kind of it actually there's not mm. really you know there's all the you know the practical side of things and you know maybe there's big sweeping things you can do that would leave a mark of your ancestors and things but actually it's some of a life really is it I mean I think it comes down to love really yeah it's definitely made I've got a I have perspective now that I didn't have and, he, and that comes down to work too yeah and then on, on top of that with the the virus and stuff it's just kind of thought oh what actually matters like what why am I working why am I doing these things why that I don't need to do that and with Ben it's like I don't need to see that person today I don't I don't particularly mm. like that but why is that person in my life like yeah it's, it makes you a lot more simplistic about things um black and white I you know I don't need to do that job I don't need to fight for that I don't need that extra tiny bit of money to to to, to do something for my career that actually it won't do when yeah. I can be spending time with the people that I love yeah you think a bit more about your soul don't you in that way and what's good for you in that way and I, I think that's partly as well I mean in my case a lot of that's been growing up as well and just trying to stop being such a people pleaser with saying yes to things that actually I end up thinking why have I done this this mm. isn't even making me feel better for it and, and it's lovely if you can ever turn down as you say a bit of money for things where you think I'm just going to walk away feeling kind of grubby I mean that's been it's a luxury I don't always have but sometimes yeah. I do two things I think okay yeah <laughs> hopefully no one will with, notice but I've noticed even lately with um I don't know what to call it the virus the you know this period of time where mm. everybody for performers 
every performer is desperate right now. We're all in the same boat. We mm. all cannot go and do shows. We all have a, have a different way of survival now yeah. financially. And it's meant that the stuff like online things and the way we put ourselves out there has changed. It's become a free for all on online. And yeah. it's just, I find it really interesting because you can see the truth coming out about what these people need. They, they need yeah. to, they need to perform to you. Yeah. It's not that they just wanted to go and do a gig that night. They wanted, they needed to go and yeah. do a gig that night. It's so true. And actually in a way it's been quite reassuring for me because, you know, I've been very lucky that my work's been fairly consistent in terms of the gigs I do and all this kind of thing. It's become quite a predictable shape of my year. And the fact that I miss it in such a fundamental way, it's actually really, it's really nice. It's like sort of, you know, being in love with what you do properly. Mm. Like, oh no, I, I really need it. And, yeah. and I don't, it's not just, you know, dates in the diary and all the kerfuffle of what, what happens with work. It's like a thing that really satisfies me. And I've missed so much of work just in terms of my own ability to recalibrate my head. Yeah. So I've had to find other ways to do it. Um, yeah, everyone has. Yeah. But that's also, I, I, cause I'm not a natural performer at all. And I don't, all of the shows I've done have been very, unique like little quirky tiny comedy shows really um whereas Alfie he's a he's a stand-up comedian that's his day mm. job night job um and that's been stripped from him in yeah. this period of time and it's been so amazing to watch the kind of that that slow realization that something he loves is is gone it's been horrible so um and it makes everyone more humble and appreciative of when it comes back. And But then it comes back in a completely different way because then, you know, he's starting to do little gigs again. And they're completely different. It's a different time. Yeah, I know. So it's actually kind of has so many parallels with grief this whole period of time. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, being pregnant, it's been like just slightly mad, like for my mental stability. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I... I I don't really, I don't have any kind of longings for, I wish this wasn't happening. Or I, I mean, obviously I wish the, or this wasn't yeah, happening. Worry, I understand. What yeah. You mean. I, I'm not glad coronavirus. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I, I don't, I just kind of, I, I'm not kind of overly nostalgic about things. I, and I kind of, I'm such a horrible realist now that it's kind of, okay, right. This is the situation. We have to just try and make the best of it. Yeah. And then you'll have a new baby and then with new babies come new beginnings. And that always feels, that's always a lovely thing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But I don't know. Were you, are you a hopeful person in pregnancy? Because I'm, I'm not. So when you were pregnant, did you, so say when you were six months pregnant, did you think, okay, in three and a half months, I'm going to have a baby sitting next to me? No, I think you always have to sort of feel like you've got to put in parentheses if everything goes to plan, if everything works out. So many people don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I never bought anything for any baby when I've been pregnant. Neither do I. Yeah. Yeah. So when my first baby was born early, I was really freaked out because I didn't even have like socks for him or nappies or anything. I had nothing. Yeah. Um, and in fact, so when you had your first baby, this is another parallel, I think. So you've slightly beat me on a timeline because I'd only been going out with Richard for six weeks when I found out I was having a baby. But for you and Alfie, how... You literally the first night we had sex, I got pregnant. <laughs> I mean, literally within hours of like being at a pub, I was pregnant. There was three of you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, insane. But it's amazing. I think it, it yeah, it's, it's a completely different relationship to a couple who've gone out for a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Decided to maybe get engaged, maybe get married, m- maybe think about starting to have kids. They have all that time together. Mm. It's like, that's a luxury we have never had. <laughs> we've, no. we've never not had a baby <laughs> in the same room or in me. Yeah. It's just been the way it is. And, and it's even, even because little things, like I have a, I have a extreme snore. Like I snored to such an extent that you couldn't, if I was sleeping in this room, you could hear me upstairs. <laughs> it's so bad. So we've never really been able to sleep together well. It's always been a thing where, you know, if we want to have sex, we have to like make a plan. <laughs> so, and then on top of that with a baby. So we've got this extremely bizarre relationship where we seem to keep having children, but we don't have a relationship, which is like by any stretch normal. And the fact that we've had to go on a gradient, like within, I didn't tell him until I was four months pregnant with Donnie because I was terrified. Were you dating through that time? No, 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 no. We didn't see each other. Oh, I didn't wow. literally, we, ha- we, we had the one night stand. Up? Yes, it is exactly mm. like the new movie Night Up. We basically had that night together. And then two weeks later, I was like, I, I don't, something's going on. But because I had polycystic ovaries, there was no chance I was pregnant. I just was like, there's no way. I haven't had a period since November. Like there was just no way. Um, but I was, and my mum, I rang my mum, um, like three weeks after this one night stand, which I thought was a one night stand. Um, and I said, I'm just feeling so tired and like my boobs hurt. And she was like, you're pregnant. And I was like, there is no way I'm pregnant. There is no way. And she's like, just go and get a pregnancy test. I walked down to Tesco, got a te- pregnancy test, walked back up 10 minutes later, I was pregnant. I rang her, um, like the swearing involves from her was just amazing. And, um, and, and this is all tied in with work and everything because I was just, I had just had a recall for a, a job at the National Theatre, which would have been like a dream come true situation. Um, and I, so the next morning after finding out I was pregnant, I had to walk to have this big audition with the other actor. And it would have been a, it would have been like a complete, if I had got that job and yeah. I had done that job, my whole career would have been completely different. I would have been an actress when I'm not an actress. But anyway, so I remember standing on the, the bridge outside the National Theatre and thinking, I can't get this job because I want this baby. I desperate, and the, the job would have been as I give birth. It would have been. So you com- already knew that you were committed to. I was already like, Right, I'm having this, you know, even if, 
even if I, I I wasn't still like a hopeful person, I still, still wasn't sure that I would have, you know, be okay. But I was like, if I can't go in and get this job, because if I get the job, I'll have an abortion. And I couldn't have done that anyway, I don't think. But I was like, I don't want that dilemma. So I went into the toilets, the National Theatre, and it was a very traditional job. Um, and I put like heavy turquoise eyeliner on. <laughs> like heavy, heavy feline turquoise eyeliner <laughs> and pink lip gloss. And usually I don't wear my glasses for acting auditions because I don't want them to think, you know. So I, I took my, I put my big glasses on. I went in <laughs> looking like a, like, <laughs> like a mad person. And they, after the first two times they'd seen me, very traditional English, like rose type hair down. I went in with my hair in the top bun, a bandana around me, my turquoise eyeliner just to sabotage myself That's and then so funny. <laughs> and then the, the the director looked at me like I was a, like he was scared and didn't ask me to take my glasses off because they obviously had decided that I already didn't have the job and I did really badly in the read as well I pretended I couldn't pronounce a really simple word <laughs> that's a funny idea just so why did I, you just not turn up <laughs> just because, going along but like being really because I would have been told off about it. <laughs> yeah I should have I should have not turned up I think it's brilliant it's like really like a joke game with yourself like yeah. here we go so basically, <laughs> then I didn't get the job, but then I got another filming job. And again, this was the first job I'd had. It was like bizarre how the universe decides to like give you things when you probably shouldn't be getting those things right now because your body can't handle it or your mind can't mm. handle it. And so I had this, um, this first job on like an E4 series and it was the first like recurring role. It was a really big deal for me. And again, I'd had the audition before I was pregnant, mm. but I'd got the job. Is that sound okay, do you think? Okay, cool. Um, so again, I got the job. I was due to start filming in April. By this point, I would have been four months pregnant. And again, I just was like, I need this job. Mm. I need this job. And it would have gone on filming till I was seven months pregnant. So I thought, if I can just get one day on camera, then they can't cut me, which, is, which is actually illegal. <laughs> well, it's not legal for you to think like that. No, exactly. So I turned <laughs> up being like, I could just not know. I could just not know. Yeah. So I... I got on camera, I did the first day, but then I had, I thought I'm going to get sent to prison. I'm going to get, I'm going to get sued. So I, I told the producer on the, after the first day and he had luckily just had a baby and he was like, it's fine. It's fine. I was like, but I'm going to be like quite heavily pregnant by the end of the series. And it's, I'm playing a teenager. Like I don't think it's appropriate. And he was like, no, it's fine. And you just kind of realize, oh, people just, the bait you can still work you can just people just you think it's going to be change your entire life but it's actually you can still do a load of stuff you can and also you know the thing of you turning up and putting on the eyeliner and leaving your glasses on stuff there might have been a part of you that thought I'm not sure I want to be this sort of traditional maybe that's not quite me anyway because if you wanted to do that you could have done the audition or waited and then gone back to those kind of jobs after you have a baby but maybe part of you wanted to sabotage it also for yourself too. I think so, because I don't think I would have actually been happy this doing that. This is what I'm really like. Do you, you still want me now? You know, mm. so like, it's yeah. like, slightly confrontational, but in a, like a really fun way. Yeah, <laughs> it, was very, it was actually one of the most extreme things I've ever done in, in acting-wise. But yeah, that world doesn't really suit me anymore. And yeah. But because of that, it meant that I kept thinking, okay, I can have a baby and work, I can have a baby and work. Whereas I think so many people... I, especially I think as you get older now because now I'm 33 and friends are finally considering yeah. thinking about having a baby 
Only just thinking about it. No, no, it was my, I, my third at 33 as well. And it was the first time any of my friends had had a baby at the same time as me. It's nice. It's funny, yeah. like, oh, wow, people get it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it just didn't happen at the first, like, because I got pregnant at 26. So, like, I was, and I and I was so delayed as well. I kind of felt very immature at that age. No, no one, I have no friends who have babies. Yeah. It's finally, like, okay, I might have one like who has a baby the same age as me maybe mm-hmm. my brother finally is my older brothers might be having a baby like so it's just it's just weird it's just kind of but but they all have delayed it and delayed it and delayed it because they think oh I'm gonna get that job or I'm gonna I want to get I, I don't want to be I don't want to be cast as a as a as a mum that have to hide the fact that I have a baby or yeah. there doesn't seem to be much out there online um by online I mean Instagram uh that's positive parenting like positive um I don't know how to say it, that's encouraging yeah. of how you can have a baby and work and be okay. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, you, don't, you can't have one or the other. You can have both. And I don't think there's very many role models out there, apart from people like you, who make it seem like you can have a, a nice parenting experience and also a nice career experience. There, it is a possibility. Yeah, I think some of it as well takes a bit of time because I think, I get I get a lot more done now and when I had like the last few babies because I felt like more confident but I think with my first it was like it really um I had to rethink everything and find myself again a little bit really and I think Mm -hmm. I did feel quite unsure about which aspects of my work were still incorporated especially if you do something like pop music or acting where your your you know physicality and all you know your you know the, the sort of ethos of who you are is so much part of that as well and I think Certainly in pop, I felt like being a mum was like really not good for business in a lot of ways. At that and time. also that period of time. So, two, so you're 24, and what year was that? Uh, so that would have been 2004 is when I had Sunny. So a horrible period of time. Like I think of because I, I 2005 2006. Um, so I would have been like 15, 16. Mm. Like I just the the images we're seeing and the, the the role models we had at that period of time within pop music mm. were just so destructive that it's, it's such a different world now yeah it's kind it of is got, a different world now. it's right. got much kinder yeah. and accepting and less like you have to be um a barbie doll to to be successful type thing on in 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 in, in as an actress and yeah. as a pop star so i think that that would have been really hard yeah and i think I think as well, like now we've got much better at seeing, I think there are more people that are having kids a bit younger or having them, you know, I mean, high profile people and sort of sweeping them up along for the ride. And you think, okay, that makes me, you know, feel reassured. But at the time I felt like I couldn't think of anyone in my world that was having a baby. And I felt like maybe it was something where, yeah, people were a bit like, oh, you're a mum now. So, you know, the Radio 1 world is really not going to be for you because that's for young people. And how Mm. can they possibly find anything relatable if you're, going home to a kid and you know and people make comments like that straight from the get-go where they go like oh you're screaming baby at home or you know with the pregnancy oh you're swollen ankles and all this and as it happened I did get really swollen (laughs) at the end as well which is really annoying (laughs) you know it does kind of shake you to your core I think because it's such a like big deal and so when you were going out with when did you tell Alfie then four months so I told him I had started filming this job so I was safe Mm. I was like okay I've got got enough money I've got my own stuff together I don't need him I obviously liked him and I think we would have gone on a second date if I hadn't got pregnant. Mm. But by this point I was like, I need to hide it until I know that I'm, you know, you're out of the risk of miscarriage so much. Cause I was like, it'd be so embarrassing if I have a miscarriage. I've told him we have this kind of like, you know, emotional, intense 
weird semi-breakup when we were never going out type thing because it bonds you so much when you know someone's pregnant with your child like I just even though he didn't know I was like looking him up on Facebook I you know heard things about him and I felt connected to him because I had his child in, in me so I was it was such a strange period of time but I basically said once I know I'm safe well I feel safe so I was like 16 weeks I think mm-hmm. I'll tell him so I <laughs> I text him saying, I think that we should talk. And because he was funny, he, he immediately texts back pregnant or diseased. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. So now I can't even surprise him. Um, so I was like, ha, ha, ha. No, ha, ha, ha. But then he, he obviously was then scared because you haven't heard from a girl in like three and a half yeah. months. What, why does she want to talk? Um, so he it's actually really funny <laughs> straight away <laughs> so I um so I just thought well if you're going to be that blunt I'll, I'll be blunt so I just sent him a photo of the scan oh <gasps> which wow. is really re- in retrospect crazy um I just like the idea of you with pregnancy disease just go one of them yes well, I'll leave you hanging for five minutes <laughs> I should have done that that's what I should have done I should have said well I'll let you know tomorrow um it was it was the day of his birthday. It was like the, he, he was 27 the next day and he was having a party. So I'd sent him the photo of the scan. Mm. He thought it was a joke, I think. But I was like, no, I'm having a baby. I'm calling it Bam. Um, I, I, it's a boy. I'm, I'm due in October. And he waited for a little bit before he applied, which was I, understandable. And um, he was like, right, right, okay. And it's I was, all over text. Yes, all so over text. No one's text. actually phoning them. No, I can't phone. I okay. don't phone. And also, I was in Hungerford, and there was no signal, so the texts all went through in a, in the wrong order. <gasps> so he was he was very confused. And then, um, so basically, then the next night he had, was having like a drinks thing. So I, he was like, "Well, do you want to come?" I didn't want to go in because that would have been. So I waited outside the pub for him. He came out, and he basically had thought about it over that day. And he did, he did a monologue, essentially, saying how he wanted to be involved and he, he was excited and please let him be involved and, you know, all of this stuff. It was beautiful and immediately reassuring. And I mean, I would never have not let him be involved, obviously. And I, and I, I, I had always liked him. Mm. I always had fancied him. So it wasn't like I had to get on board with that. Um, so it was really nice. And, but he was so scared. He was so scared of kind of, what it, you know what would we would do mm. so we had a scan for the 20 week one and he came with me and he held my hand which I found really awkward and um and then throughout the the next half of the pregnancy we started to kind of date Aww. and then on the, the day he was born Donny um he, Alfie said he loved me which was very nice but he still hadn't called me his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> so it's been very weird the whole thing and it's meant that we have a, I don't trust him. I still don't trust him. And we broke up for a year and a bit, almost two years actually, when Margot was only 10 weeks old. Oh, wow. Because I think we were so, so scared. We were suddenly so much had happened. Yes. Um, but Donnie, Donnie lived with my mum and me and Bibi and my other brother, Jamie, when he was born. So Dalfi came, Alfie stayed most nights, but we've, we've, we've always been like a communal type family. So, um, Alfie's had to just get on board with that and come in 
and be swooped up by us. Does he have a big family too, or is he quite a small Not particularly, no. no. So, um, yeah, so we've just always done things slightly odd. But then when we moved in together, when Donnie was like nine months, it suddenly kind of got real. Mm. It was suddenly like, okay, we have, we're a couple and we have a baby. So you moved in just after Donnie was born? No, like when Donnie was 10 months. Oh, sorry, 10 months, sorry. So, and then it all started to get very real. And like the, the reality of working with a very young baby without my mum on hand, because she would be living with us. So yeah. the fact that she was now time suddenly, even though she was only across the road, um, <laughs> It suddenly, we started to fight a lot more because I was, I was a little less relaxed than I am now and I'm still by no means relaxed, but I was way worse. (laughs) So I think I was quite intense and he was quite still immature. And then, and then the breakup was actually the best thing that's ever happened. It was horrible and I don't recommend it when you have two babies together, but it was actually really good because he learned so much, I learned so much. And, um, and, and then given what's happened lately, I kind of think, oh, I'm actually quite nostalgic for that period of time because it was the last chance we've, we might break up again. I don't know, but it, it was the last chance we've had to kind of be us again, just us, you know, single people. Cause you have, when I wasn't with the baby, I was able to go out and and date, which I had never really done. So it was kind of like a, a glorified like being a teenager again just for a few months which was quite nice and and will never happen again so it so was how actually, long were you apart from each other then so like almost two, two years almost two yeah. years and what caused you to get back together or did you or did you always have in your head like we'll, we'll get back together at some point well I'd, I thought we'd get back together immediately I thought like because I'm basically because I'd never been in a relationship before Alfie and then suddenly was having a baby with him um you know I'd had little relationships but never like a proper relationship um so whenever I fought with him, I would always jump to, well, let's break up then, like a child, which I didn't realize is actually really destructive. It's something you shouldn't do, apparently. Um, <laughs> so he was always much more like, you can't say that because if you say we're going to break up, we, you know, it just, it chips away at something. Mm. So, um, but then the final straw happened and I, you know, I said it without really meaning it mm-hmm. and it actually happened. So it taught me, it, it did teach me a lesson. <laughs> um, Your parents, they still together? No. No, I don't have very many, I don't know many role models in relationships, which I, and he doesn't either. So his, yeah. his parents are divorced. And so I think that probably didn't happen. Also, he was married. He, he got married at 24, didn't last long, but I think that traumatized him slightly from commitment. And I'd always known that. So my insecurities were, right, okay, I know he's not like fully like a commitment type person. So I'll make it seem like I'm not too, to make him love me more, but it didn't work that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah so I about six weeks after we broke up I was like so we'll probably get back together soon right we, I'd moved out mm. so we were living like near each other which was really awkward because Margaret was tiny yeah really little so it's t- 10 weeks old you said when you first yeah so I but I'm very good my family's very good at a breakup so <laughs> she my mum's very good at moving us out somewhere very quickly so she immediately found me a flat very near Alfie's flat so your mum sounds amazing by the way she's like, like she sort of does everything like, she, she literally does everything I know I mean it's 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 quite funny but she basically was like no this is good this is good you should do this move me out and I was like, I don't think I don't know if this is the right idea to have like an hour I had a year lease so I knew that I had to live apart from him for a year mm. but by the end of that year lease we still hadn't got back together and I kind of got on board with the fact that he he was he was having a nice time 
having quite a nice time without me, which is when I wrote this play about him and the women that he slept with in our break. He had clocked them up. But I think he... I think it makes him sound quite bad, that, but I think that that's... I, I don't really judge him for that, and I kind of... I'm glad that he did, in a way, because it means that I feel a bit more confident now being back together that he's chosen me this time. Well, you've cho- both chosen each other, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. So. And actually, your play's brilliant. I loved it. Oh. I really loved it. It's, it's it's so embarrassing to think about, like, the fact that I was on stage and I shouted out to the audience, like, can you swear on this? Yes, of course. Uh, like, said to the audience every night, who fucked Alfie Brown in here? Because there's going to be one of you. There's definitely going to be one of you. And sometimes there was. I mean, literally, he was a bit of a whore. Um so, yeah, it's quite embarrassing that I have that in playtext. I don't know, though. It seems to be the way that you... I mean, it's, it's, it's useful. If you, I think if you're a creative person, then that, and that's a useful outlet, and it's like you said about your podcast with your sister being like therapy, it's, it's all what works for you. And if you said that that time you looked back with nostalgia and it gave you something, you know, a place to be, and it was successful, and I think, I think there's a lot about it that's really valid. Well, I think it gave people a sense of comfort that some relationships just aren't traditional yeah they go a different way yeah and you can still love someone and not be together with them you can have a baby with someone and be dating a 24 year old at the same time like there is there's lots of different ways you can do things you don't have to get married you don't have to have a a mortgage we, we have very little stability in our relationship and it's still it's working right now because we both know that we've chosen to be together and we love our kids yeah so it's just I think it gave people a bit of hope that it doesn't have to you don't have to follow these steps and if you don't do one of the steps you're not going to get tripped up it's okay yeah um so when you come to raise your kids as well with all their life choices that'll all inform how you help them with what they're doing too because sometimes um I mean, like when you're talking about your your parents' relationship and Alfie's parents' relationship and the divorce, and sometimes I think with kids that have seen their parents split up, they can feel like all arguments lead to breakup, and that's quite common, actually, that thing mm. of every time you were fighting, going, well, we're probably going to break up from this, and it can make you very scared of conflict, actually, because you've seen what happens when people have conflict and then don't end up together. But actually, there's also the flip, which is if you have a really very traditional, solid, happy family, obviously that's a wonderful thing, but it also means sometimes that for the kids, you can sometimes feel like, how can I ever match up to that? And if my relationship doesn't doesn't seem to be perfect all the way through it, my maybe I can't live up to what my parents had. So that can actually be be equally tricky. So mm. I think the fact that your kids will be able to have lots of very frank chats with you about things not being traditional will probably be really brilliant for them. Yeah, I think I was thinking about that the other day because we, me and Alfie sometimes have quite heated chats, but not fights, but mm. just, you know... We're joking with each other, but it might seem like a fight to a six-year-old. Um, and Donnie came into the kitchen and was like, right, okay, stop, stop. And we were like, we're not fighting, Donnie, we're not fighting. And um, he was kind of acting as our, you know, mediator. And I was like, it's, it's okay, we're not, we're not fighting. Um, and he's kind of now grown up with us being very separate, me and Alfie, but also being very close. So he's, I think he's actually got quite a good... I don't know. I don't think he, he doesn't assume that we're, like, he knows we're not married and he, he doesn't, because he stays so much with my mom and he's looked after by my sister and he's, you know, I think he's quite, like, I don't know. I think he's already on understanding of, of this, the fact that we're not traditional. Yeah, I think or something. As, well, as long as kids feel safe, they can kind of cope with quite a lot of 
diff- you know, their life, home life can be quite different. I think it's really about, it's only if they feel unsafe that they get more worried, I think. Yeah, because some people say, oh, you shouldn't fight in front of your children and stuff like that. And it's not that we're fighting, but um, I think actually it's good to see them, uh, adults have kind of, you know, intense discussions. And I think it's, I think there's, yeah, I, where I think people are quite scared of traumatizing kids when they can get, you know, they, they're clever. Yeah, they're they definitely clever. Did you speak to them about when you had broken up with Alfie then or not? Well, they were so... They were so well, Margot was like less than... Yeah, you want to chat to her. And, um, <laughs> Johnny, and Johnny was 18, um, was like two. Mm. So there was just... Yeah, was they just knew daddy was coming over or I was, you know... Yeah, it was it was, it was such a strange period. But they were obviously a bit older when you got back together. So how did they... Did that just feel like a continuation of something to them? Then like just Yeah, because he'd always again. been there. He'd okay. always been so involved with kind of coming over and and then we gradually very slowly it was you know it was clear that he was there more and so it was just it was very seamless really the mm. whole thing and what, I, how come you did get back together then I just kind of I think I I it was just inevitable and it felt inevitable I think he had run his his kind of spree had run its course and I, and I think that I had kind of done a quite a good job of seeming like I was fine without him. Because you um, had dates and things too, right? Yeah, well, I, had, I had a little relationship, which was really good for me because it reminded me that I'm young and I like I could have a you know a normal relationship, and it's and it was it was really good for it was really good, but it wasn't right, and um and so I think that we really gradually, in the same way that we got together very slowly when I was pregnant with Donnie. We essentially echoed that with getting back together. And I, I am much more, um, I'm less uptight now in, in certain ways. I kind of am more forgiving of him and in lots of ways. And, and, and I think because I have, I know what I want to do and in, in, with my work and stuff, I, I don't, I don't, I'm quite self-sufficient, which mm. I think is quite helpful sometimes within a relationship. And I don't get involved so much in his his career, which again has been good for him. So I think we just have grown up, mm. which has been nice. And, and the fact that we're having another baby is is also like so nice because this time it's kind of properly planned. <clears throat> um, I mean, we planned it at the worst time, but we've we've you know we we both want this, mm. so that's been really nice. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst time. I think it's just an odd time, isn't it, with all the... Well, I don't I year. don't know if I would have got pregnant if I'd known this was coming, this really? pandemic. It's been so... I don't know. He said he wouldn't have. So he it feels said... like it's been very much part of the backdrop of everything yeah. until pregnancy. I got pregnant in February, so just before. Oh, yeah, well, that's exactly, exactly mirrored it. So... so you've got a very good idea of the chronology of the yeah. pandemic, basically. Yeah. You probably did it by week, by week. Yeah, fact. I could. <laughs> But the whole first bit was in the, you know, the beginning of lockdown. Yeah, exactly. It was awful. Well, at least you're not missing going out drinking or something. No, it? been, no but I've never out. been like that. So it's kind of different. Whereas he has, he misses that. Yeah. Yeah. My husband misses pubs, definitely. Rich is like, I don't have that at all. In fact, to be honest, I, I've quite liked the fact that there's not like lots of latest things I should be seeing and doing. I've quite mm. enjoyed. I don't really get FOMO in that way. Yeah. So, um. So what's your, the baby's how old? 18. He's not really a baby anymore. Yeah. He's 20 months now. 20 months. So he's at that stage where he's at a little bit of a sponge, you know, a bit of a parrot. So he sort yeah. of says everything back and he's ever so sweet. He's obsessed at the moment with, uh, seems to be many shoes and cars. Yeah. So and then, then four. Uh, yeah. Then four for Jesse. 
Ray's eight. Uh, Kit is 11 and just started secondary school. Got his first attention tomorrow. I'm so oh. proud. <laughs> and Sonny's 16. Wow. Um, so you've had nice gaps. Yeah, so there's five years between the first two and then three years, three years, three years. So a bit like the same you said yeah. in your family. For, yeah. Do you think you might end up with, with more children? I just kind of, I don't know. I, I definitely always wanted to be a mother. Like that's what I've, from... Yeah, but I, but weirdly, I've always known I wanted to be a mother and that's been my driving force really in life, but I always also know I wanted to do other things. So it's mm. not like I, I don't know if that's really basic to say, but I, I definitely would like more. I don't know whether I can squeeze them out of Alfie. <laughs> I'll but I worry would. about that later. Yeah. Richard said no for the last few years. Like, really? Always like, I can work with that. Okay, <laughs> good. Hopefully. But the thing is, cause I'm so superstitious. I'm like, okay, just get this one out, see how it goes. See what happens in the next year. See if we have another pandemic. See if like I can earn any money, and then think about it. But but you know I'm I'm just I think the last year has taught me to just be grateful for. I'm so grateful for what I have now. Yeah. And I was always before like I've always been a fastidious diary keeper and you know not a gratitude journal because that I hate those two words together. But um, yeah, that's not my. <laughs> I keep it really. But I've definitely always kind of been very. Like this good thing happens today, this good thing happens today, like I or they said this today and mm. and I'm so glad that I've kept that up because it's reminded me that even in the ho- most horrible periods of time it's still there's still been such amazing things happening and such joyful things happening, and I've been extremely happy since these awful things have happened too, so it's just kind of taught me more about okay well that's that's the human experience really yeah I mean with the the comedy and the your art are those things that you were doing before you had kids as well are these things that yeah. sort of grown with yeah I basically was always I went to art school and that's what I wanted to, I wanted to be an illustrator then I got the job in Harry Potter when I dropped out of art school because I found it too hard because they were like you can't draw and I was like well I don't need to draw you know because they at art school they're very much like right try and change your style learn this thing learn this thing and I had always known what my style was with yeah. drawing so I like drawing cartoons. I yeah. like the way I draw. So I knew it wasn't for me. So I dropped out and I started doing like little bits of like trying to be an extra and thing, you know, any extra money I could get, but not in a normal job. And then weirdly, I got onto an agency that was kind of specialised in children. They, it was like a kid's acting agency, um, even though I was 19. And um, the third audition I ever had was Harry Potter, which completely changed my life because then I was like okay well then I guess guess I'm an actress now I guess I have to be an actress now um even though really didn't see myself in that way at all I'd never done that as a kid and you know so I was then on this kind of treadmill of being an actress auditioning but not getting jobs because I was always just a bit too weird um so by the time I was 24 I decided okay I need to do my own thing because if I I'm not, I'm not an illustrator. I'm not getting money that way. I'm not an actress. I'm not getting money that way. What do I do? So I started doing YouTube videos and, and kind of comedy sketches with BB, who by this time was like 14, 13. And, um, and then I started doing shows. And then because I was doing my own work and writing, um, I got more acting work. So it's always been parallel. And I had my first development deal for TV, like writing when I was that age. And this has also taught me a huge lesson. I was in development for eight years with the, um, with Channel 4 for a, for a thing I wrote. And I spent that long trying to write something for someone else and then it didn't ever get made. And it's just kind of taught me, okay, I, 
I don't want to need anybody in my career anymore. I mean, I obviously have an amazing, lovely agent, but... But you feel quite self-sufficient. Essentially, I, I'm trying to make my whole life as self-sufficient as possible because mm-hmm. I know that I can make my own work. And also that we're so lucky now, even though it's a horrible time, we're incredibly lucky because there's more opportunity for us to make our own money online and to find ways of creating and to involve your audience. And so I, I'm kind of up for that. And I quite like that. And even with the book, even though it's like a traditional book that's going out in shops, I'm excited about promoting it in a different way and involving people in a different way. So I think I've just always just not really ticked any boxes. I'm just doing it slightly weirdly. Yeah, but I quite like all that. I think making plans is it's great if that suits you, but actually following your nose and going along with what works for you, it seems to serve you pretty well. When's your book actually out then next? Mar- I think it's March. March. It might be July, but I don't want it to be July because I don't want it to be like a summer book because it's so depressing. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> it's called Sunset. Sunset. Oh, lovely. Um, so you've had sunrise and sunset. Yeah. So it's, I'm, yeah, I'm, I tried so hard for it. That was the worst thing. The title was the worst thing. Everything I suggested, they were like, nope, 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 nope. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, Your mum writes books now. Yeah, she does, yeah. yeah. So she got um, a publishing deal when she was 60, which I thought was so cool because she'd always been a prolific reader and she's got an amazing way with words and she she can write beautifully. But um, she started talking about writing a book, I think, when she was probably about 50. And I was always saying, yeah, I can really see this for you. But then as soon as she sort of told lots of people, it kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think she said she spent a long time trying to work out how, you know, she as an author sort of looked and what it should feel like. And then I think as she, she started doing a uh, course with Curtis Brown and through that got a, an agent and through that got a deal. But she said after that, she realised as well that she could be her own person and then write as well as live the life she'd always lived and do the things she liked. Mm. So. It was so interesting hearing her on your podcast and thinking, because she was, when she said when she was first considered as, as a presenter, it was kind of like, but I'm I'm an actress, like mm. I'm an actress. And it's the same when, when you're trying to, put yourself out there as a writer people are like no but you're you're a presenter you're a presenter it's yeah. it people have such a small kind of capacity to see you in a different way they if they know you as a singer yeah or know you as a gala who is in harry potter that's what they're always going to treat you as yeah so i think that's been the main hurdle with writing this book and thinking okay do i agonize about this for five years and write the best novel i can possibly make agonize over every beginning of you know every word or do I do it to my best capability within the period of time that I've got before this baby's born so that I can actually enjoy this baby being born for a change? Because mm. every time so far I've been so stressed with work at, at the same time, I really want to try and enjoy this birth and mm. this period of time. So I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna get it done because I'm always going to be considered as a, a chiclet writer of who, who uh, a girl who was in Harry Potter who's written chiclet. That's what I'm always going to be considered as even though the book isn't that, mm. it might be okay. I don't, I don't, I'm always going to be judged in a particular way. So it's been quite liberating to, to accept my label and know that I'm not that label. But for now, that's, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to agonize about it. Yeah. And I think also sometimes that's down to more, more you and how you feel about yourself. Cause actually, I think people are quite open about, you know, reading a great book. But I think maybe, for you that, that making that distinction is what, probably what makes it so you can actually finish it and get it done because yeah. otherwise if you you've always got that voice in your head haven't you like picking things apart but actually the the big thing is actually getting getting it done because mm. so many people have ideas to do things but then 
don't finish it because they just agonise over each individual. I mean, I've got friends that have had projects, they've been like secret projects, been doing for like a decade and it mm. never really gets out there. Being able to sign things off and send it on its way is actually a really big deal. Yeah, I'm quite good at that because I'm not a perfectionist and I don't mind criticism when it's other people, not when it's my sister. Uh, <laughs> so, Especially, yeah, specific people are allowed to criticize. Yeah, there's very people specific people. Not. Arm's length <laughs> is fine. Um, so I, I'm not, and that's that's the sen- that's when I started doing YouTube videos. And looking back, they're so embarrassing and like bad. But I just put them out there, and I so I'm not really that um, fussy about that kind of thing. I'm not saying that I've written a bad book and I'm putting it out there. Hopefully, <laughs> no, I know that. No, I didn't, but like, um, I didn't mean to infer that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, hopefully, I've like I've I've done my best. So that's all I can do. Really. And did you always think you'd finish it? Uh, I I just, again, like you were saying with pregnancy and stuff, I didn't think about the fact that I'd be handing in a book in October when I was due. Mm. I just thought, I just, I don't know, I just thought it would happen. I didn't think about nine months time, even though I had this deadline always in place. Yeah. So it's, it's and yeah, it's slightly stupid, but... Um, that's not stupid. Look, it all, it all worked out. Do you think you could have done that with your first baby or second baby? Do you think it gets easier in time like with your ability to think, no, I can... And mm. keep that thing going and keep that thing going and oh definitely kind I, of spinning plates analogy. like my mum said you just get better at handling more stuff mm. um but I'm also getting better at remembering that they're only this age for a certain period of time so I Margot started school this you know like last week and that was such a big deal for her and mm. she's she's only a baby she's July so she feels so young to be oh, going yes. mm. um whereas I had that extra time with Donnie because he's October so I, I was really ready for Donnie go, to go to school, but I wasn't quite ready for Margot to go. But I also knew I had this deadline. It was, she, she wasn't, she, because of the pandemic, she didn't start until mid-September and then she only went for like the hour and then the two hours and then the three hours. And so it was a, a bit annoying actually. Um, <laughs> but so I was like, okay, because I wanted to do the whole thing of, you know, taking photos of her on her first day and then, and making sure that I was really supportive and I was on hand all times to, you know, coming back from school picking her up from school but then as the deadline approached and I got so much so much more stressed and then I had all of these um you know pregnancy hiccups with go having to go into hospital and you know like you forget how physically demanding being pregnant is mm. you know so I just had to then succumb to thinking okay I've taken one nice photo of her on her first day but that's all I can do I can't pick her up and t- pick, take her every day because I have to do this. And I also, yeah. walking to school, I can, physically I'm not as capable. So I've just had to just accept that I can't do it all and, but enjoy it when I can. So I've got now a couple of weeks before the baby's born. Hopefully I can be present for them when I haven't, I have not been present for them for a couple of weeks. I've been completely independent for the first time in a long time. I haven't been that like brutal about, I can't see them for a couple of days. I, I have to do this. Whereas yeah. usually I'm much more, okay, well, they can come. They can just come with me. They can sit in the room. I can, I can write that they're in the room. But this is the only time I've ever been like, I actually cannot have them in the same room. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's quite hard. I get a bit like that as well with, with the kids. And I'll be like, it's fine, it's fine. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Mm. I'm being rubbish to them and like snappy. And I'm actually not being able to get my work done either. I yeah. Think, I think this year of working at home stuff, I mean, I know it's supposed to be... Like if you're writing, presumably you'd be doing that anyway, but it is pretty intense with young kids, I think. Yeah, and especially when they're 
baby or a mm. toddler they're just they need you so much yeah um also they remember time differently so if if you did take the next couple of weeks and rather than saying okay now I can be present for Margot and Donnie but instead you're like I'm actually going to have a bit of time when I'm just not on a deadline I mean I'm about to have a baby and I'm just going to take some they won't they won't remember the time in the same way that you might yes so if you did have like that extra night your mum gave you last night they're not going to be like hey I thought you said yeah it's going to be a week and it was a week and a night you know they just yeah hopefully they're a bit more clueless yeah, they definitely are. The time is different when you're small. They're not. They're not thinking of it in the same way. Yeah, I. My mum's really good at reminding me that too. Like they, they don't, they don't care as much as you do, which yeah. is quite horrible sometimes. But it's actually <laughs> true. You know, they're they're fine without me right now. They're but being looked after. When you did have that time when it was just the three of you, which presumably that two years was pretty intense in terms of your relationship with them. Does it feel like you've had to sort of deal with any sort of shift into becoming a family where there's you're all together on <laughs> the same roof. Kind of. I think with, so we've just moved into this house, but before that we've always been in basically one, one and a half bedroom flats, really small flats. So we've always been on top of each other and I sleep with both of them, which is, so I, which is, which at first was... So they don't mind the snoring. They don't, well, they haven't, they've grown, they've, they've never totally known anything different. When they're older, they're going to need to have some noisy thing in the corner of the room. Yeah, <laughs> we have a fan on as well. So hopefully the fan drowns me out, but we have as much noise on as possible. Um, so we are, we've always co-slept, us three. So it feels quite, um, so Alfie's always been like, in the house or near, but like never like in the same room. So they're still in the same bed as you like all the time. But, well, they have two little toddler beds next to my bed, but they obviously get in with me. But I, that's, that's one thing I do need to sort out before this baby comes because I don't know how I'm going to have them all in a double bed with me. Um, which isn't safe. So <laughs> that's well, one thing I do out. need to sort out, but that's also just been necessity because we didn't have space before to really have separate bedrooms. But now that we do have the separate bedroom and we're still in the same bed, um, we probably should sort that out, but, um, they haven't really had to adjust that because we've always been quite, um, separate in lots of ways. Um, there, yeah, I'm, I really like the fact that Alfie's kind of, he's not like, um, he's not like a hands-on dad. He's really, he loves it and he is so good with them, but he's not like, right, let's go to the park guys. Let's, let's go do this guys. Let's, he's, he's not like that. So it's always been, it's not really changed that much. He's just, he's just here more, which is lovely. <laughs> and now that we have more space, it's actually brilliant because I don't feel like I'm watching over him. He's not watching over me. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. Well, I have to say, even though you haven't been here very long, and you've been writing a book, I think your house, house is filled with so much love. Oh. Well, also, usually I keep so drawings everywhere. All this stuff on the wall. It's annoying because everywhere I go, um, and I thought, you know, with your artistic leaning, I was like, Surely this house is going to be quite, you know, piles of stuff. And it's actually really tidy. And I just, I'm still the messiest house of oh, anyone no. I've Whenever I see your to. house on Instagram, I'm always like, oh, it's so colourful. This is definitely so colourful. Nice. <laughs> no, well, this is, the, this is the thing. We have to move all of our stuff in. Yeah. That's, I think I'm, I'm trying to get better at getting rid of things. Ah, uh, that's hard. Toys. They don't, they have not looked in the toy box once throughout lockdown. No, and also you've done the thing that's made, made it hard for me to move on with toys is that you keep having a new small person. Yes. So I'll have other toys and that haven't been played with and I think, but what if, yeah. what if that's like something Mickey gets really into in a yeah. year's time and then I've just got rid of all of it? Oh, so no, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But there's like, you know, the pointless stuff that you get for them. Just, you just realise they don't need it. They, like, Lego's been the best development because it's just contained 
Yeah, yeah. No, Lego is what I, mean, I love. Lego. It yeah. persuade me of Lego. And um, puzzles as well are good. Oh, I love puzzles. But uh, we've we've. It's going to be hard to do that when you've got a new baby. Though, I have to say, not not I when know. they're teeny tiny, but when they get to that stage where they want to just pull things off. The I side. know, and Lego as well. Oh I'm yeah, that's choking. True, yeah, and also they just, like, Mickey just destroyed this little Lego City thing that Jesse and I were working on the other day. Oh. Just found it on the table, just grabbed it and pulled it on the floor. Do you, so do you have to worry about choking? Does he... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't let him be on, with it on his own, but we'd, we'd put it in another room, but then he managed to... Well, he can open the baby gate now, which is fun. Oh. Oh. So he's worked out how to open the lock, and then he went for a little wonder. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm worried about. I've kind of forgotten all of that stuff. Oh, I've also back. just forgotten what it's like to have a shower. Like, as I was having a shower yesterday, I was thinking... Oh my gosh, this is one of the last showers I'm going to have in a while without like being on a timer. Yeah. Oh, that, do you remember when they, I, yeah. I used to have him, I used to have them in a baby bouncer yeah, yeah. in the shower screaming yeah. while I was in the shower for as quick as possible. Exactly. Standard. That's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. So where's the baby? The baby's now fine. At least you're leaving for a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey's actually gone swimming today. So Aww. he's, yeah. He said bye and he wandered off. Um, and uh, he's gone out with Abra. So we've got a nanny who comes in. Between 8.30 and 4.30, Monday to Friday. Which That's is, amazing. Which has been since, obviously, since they've all gone back to school. Yeah. Um, but the day goes like that. Yeah. And I find it quite hard to get things done. But it's all right. It's been yeah. okay. Yeah. And How then, long have you had a nanny? Um, we had our first nanny, Nanny Claire, who's now become like family. She was with us for 11 years. So from when Sonny was four months old. Um, and Sonny's your second? No, he's my first. Sorry. Oh, sorry, so sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so she, she was with us for 11 years. Then we had a nanny called Gemma for a couple of years. And then Abra has been with us for two years. Wow. And, but they all feel like fam- I keep in touch with Gemma. And yeah, Nanny Claire's like, she's literally like a, a you know, extended aunt or something. She, like, we just love Did they her. ever live with you or was it? Just no, this- they didn't actually. No. And I, I've always quite liked that because I feel like it's a lot to take on, particularly now we've got five kids. It's a, you know, it's a busy house. There's always something to do in the house. So I quite like the fact that Abra has her own time and she doesn't do babysitting that kind of thing either because I feel like go and have your life like you need to it's my my choice was taking on all the responsibility the small people and uh, you know young hearts run free so I just go into your thing um <laughs> so they don't need like so you know that you've got that time of the day and mm. then you're like you just mum in the evening yes unless I've got work so our setup is a little bit kooky because basically nanny claire she used to do all the daytime stuff and the babysitting. And I felt like it was too much for one person, if I'm honest. So, especially because I was away for gigs a lot that time. And Richard was on tour a lot. And um, so now we have our au pair who works for another family during the week. But if I've got work in the evenings or at the weekends, she does that. So some at the moment, there's not really a lot going on. So yeah. she's just at home. But And I guess Sonny can look after, like... Does he have a babysit? He hasn't babysat yet, but he's definitely very capable. And I can definitely do things like, like even when Mickey was born, so Sonny was 14 then, and I could put Mickey in the bath with Sonny and he'd hold him and wash him and have a bath. And then I could come in after like 10, 15 minutes and take Mickey. But in that time I could have, you know, got pyjamas on one of the other ones or something. So that's been really handy. I think Sonny's actually been probably my secret weapon really for getting extra pair of hands when the other ones are little yeah definitely because he's that bit older as well so he was at 11 when I had my fourth and that was really helpful yeah because he's yeah he's very capable he could pick up any tiny baby yeah I remember my mum being telling me like how great it was when we were growing up because Robbie and me and Ben could look after BB and Jamie and it was like it's I've just always grown up either holding a baby or looking after a toddler or yeah taking one home from school it was like such a nice part of the age gap thing. Yeah, yeah. It's the same in my family too. There's never been longer than I think 
the longest gap I've had with no baby in, in my life was been when I was naught to eight because it was just me. And then my brother was born when I was eight. And then since then, even including my own kids, it's never been longer than I think like six years. Yeah. My youngest brother and sister were six when I had Sunny because my dad's got my twin brother and sister who are only 22 now. Yeah. Oh, so there's, yeah, there's always, yeah, always been someone little around. So I've had like a baby on the hip, like most of my I think that's really life. probably why you're good at doing work and having so many kids because you've just always, I think that's what I want to try and do too. It's just, I think some people really get so worried that a baby changes everything. Well, and they, they kind of do. They do change everything, but like, it puts them off having like multiple children. But I think when you've grown up in a house with multiple children, yeah. you're much more like, okay, I, you can do... It's a familiar kind of chaos, definitely. Yeah. But I'm, I'm impressed with um, how your, your mum's obviously been such a big role model for you and still someone that's so integral to how you live your life and raise the kids. But the fact you've been able to do your own thing, I think she must feel very proud of you for that, actually. Yeah, and I think she's like... She's, I think she's constantly surprised by the things we're doing. Like when I was talking to you earlier about Twitch and... And then with my doodle shop, which, so I used to just do doodles online and then I started selling them and it's become my main livelihood, weirdly. And we package them all up and she does beautiful like stickers on them. And Oh, so it's your mum that did the stickers on them? Yeah, my mum does everything. Yeah. I was like, mum, I'm sending one to Sophia Ellis Baxter. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I love the stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she, yeah, she's like constantly baffled by the things I get her to do. But because it's just weird, all of the stuff. So she's I think it's been really nice to have her like realizing that there's just a different because because back then she was she didn't want to be a doctor, but she was that was you had a very few options as a young woman back then. You went to university and you became, you know, a doctor or a lawyer or a Mm. nurse or, you know, there was was, was so much more. I don't know. There's few options. She would have been, I think, if she lived now, she would have probably done an art foundation and been a seamstress and worked mm. as a costume designer or done something really creative and weird. Yeah. But she didn't have those options. So the fact that I'm doing the things that she probably would have loved to do too has been. I'm doing them kind of for both of us, and she's able to be there with me. So I've every time I do something where I'm like, that is amazing. I've made my rent this month through an online shop mm. like that's incredible that I'm able to survive and provide for a family by doing something that's not a normal job at all it's incredibly weird mm. um I think I'm it just reminds me how lucky I am to be able to do that yeah and when you her. say creative and weird this involved your mum making a cushion of Alfie is that right <laughs> to for you to hold yeah, that stuff one. like that yeah like, that's brilliant she, I know and she didn't think it was weird at all she was just like okay right yeah that's the next thing <laughs> makes sense yeah and even with even with um, the, some of the content and the things I do, she's well, at first. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to be talking about a blowjob in front of my mom, or like I'm going to talk about you know an STD in front of my mom. But she she kind of reacts at first, and she's like, okay. And she's like, no, that is quite funny actually. That is quite funny. And she's fine. She's like, so I'm really worried about her reading the book. But I know she'll respond, and she'll be like, okay, I can see why. Yes, I can. Yes, I can see that's that's okay. But um, it's been it's been great. Oh, no, but she would great. have definitely done something weird. Well, she is doing it. She's doing it now. It's, yeah, it's happening to her now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're very we lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll let you go in a minute because I know you said you didn't sleep last night. So I'm hoping <sighs> you've got a restful bit of time in this afternoon, well, hopefully. I just, it's so nice having time away from them because it makes you like, I'm just so excited to see them. Oh, yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> I know. It is really sweet. I mean, obviously, by the time it gets to seven o'clock and they're being nightmares, I mean, I do find like the 
the development that suddenly happened with um, their sleep and lack of mm. wanting a bedtime, just oh, sudden, yeah. very sudden. And they come up with like anything to persuade you to stop the bedtime as like well. Like it's just another book, another book. Yeah. Or I'm hungry, my tummy I'm hurts. I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> you have. I heard that you have to do like three different... Bed, you have three yeah. different bedtimes. Um, well, yeah, three main ones, and then fourth is just knocking on Sunny's door saying it's bedtime. But um, yeah, I put Mickey to bed. He goes to bed about half seven, and then after that, it's like I normally try and do Jesse and Ray together because that makes life a lot easier. And then Kit's around nine, but he normally tries to make it nine thirty. So Jesse and so, um, so Je- Jesse and Ray are the, how old are they? Four, four and, and eight. Okay, cool. And they share a room with Kit, Aww. who's eleven. So there's three of them in one room. I don't know how long I can really sustain that because Kit, he's going to be soon wanting his own space, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's in the top bunk, um, raised below. So he's just started secondary school? Mm, yeah. Has that been like a big thing, a change in the house? Or is it, yeah, is that, it the same one started, as Sunny? Yeah, so he's just started secondary and Jesse's just started reception. So that's, that's like the big shift we've had for both of them. Jesse's loving school. In fact, he finished his first week and was annoyed he couldn't go on the Saturday. Oh, <laughs> like, wow, well done school. When's his birthday? <laughs> he's November, so he's like, Donnie, oh, he's so like he's one older, of the ones, yeah, oh, good, which I yeah. think helps him a lot. Actually, it's so the first much. time I've had a baby, a little one, go with the, being in that side of things rather than the spring baby. Yeah, it's a lot easier, isn't it? So much easier, them. and you get more time with them as well before they go. Yeah. So even though he went to nursery, I just still feel like I got a lot more time. Mm. Whereas Margot just feels, but Margot because of Donnie is more mature. Yeah, she's yeah it so definitely she, pulls them up a little bit. Having yeah, a bigger one, seeing what they do and how they act. So she's um, but it's so funny how these tiny little changes unsettle the routine so much. Like because I've been so much busier lately and not been as around, they've like it's been so much harder when when I tried to put them to bed and it usually would have been seamless. Yeah. But now it's like, and Margot's become this diva in this. We had this party on Saturday for Donnie's sixth birthday and um. It was like a teenager. She was like a teenager. She was asking me to put black eyeliner on her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and when I didn't, she went crazy, um, shut herself off. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Before. I'm like, you're, you just turned four. <laughs> and you're, you're ruling us. And it's because I've just not been, you know, I've not been there to kind of keep her in check, really. My mum's mm. very strict with her. But so when she's with me, then she kind of rebels. Mm. Um, so it's just, I find that really funny. So I need to try and get a semblance of a routine before this baby comes. Wow. But then I also... Don't think that under too much pressure because it'll all take its own shape when you have the new one anyway. Yes, and also you don't know what will happen. And But I also, I, I think with Margot, I went into this frenzy before I gave birth thinking, okay, I've got to clean everything. I've got to make sure I've got everything. I've got to get a dentist appointment before the baby comes because I won't be able to have a dentist appointment before and I've got to have a haircut and I've got to do this. And now I'm just like, actually, you can't, it doesn't matter. You can do stuff with it. Yeah, I, hopefully I can have a dentist appointment with a newborn baby. It's fine. But you just think I... You can like, definitely do that. Yeah. I went to the dentist with a new baby. It's okay, fine. Good. Yeah. Okay, good. You can literally really like, breastfeed while they're doing a filling if you need to. Really? Yeah, totally. Oh, you're, lying, you're lying down. It's easy. Okay, well, that's... I mean, it's a bit like... You have to be quite chilled with yourself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you just get on well, really well with your dentist. But Yeah. But no, I mean... But it's silly that you think about these things and you think you fixate on them thinking, I need to get everything sorted. Oh, definitely. Well, it's your brain's way of trying to prepare for something, but really there's a lot of unknowns in there because you don't... You know roughly what you're in for, but then that person arrives and, you know, they're their own... They set the tone a little bit, don't they? It's so funny because <laughs> next door has a newborn, like born two weeks ago, Aww. and the scream is... Oh my God, I've never heard a baby scream so much. Oh. And I was lying in bed listening and I was like, I, 
they didn't scream. Mine didn't scream like that. And I said that to Alfie and he's like, yes, they did. And I was like, I, they didn't. Like, they didn't scream like that. But I've just completely wiped that from my memory. Mm. As a survival think... thing, maybe? Yeah, I think that first bit's a bit of a blur. But actually, I don't remember mine being that screamy. So I don't know. Now I'm like, did they? But that's obviously why you've had five. Because you've, like, you've <laughs> locked it out. To be honest, the bit of um, the, 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 you know, this year, like the pandemic thing and being in lockdown with all five, I did think, like, I think I've had too many children. <laughs> I did feel like, whoa, that's... That's a big, um, yeah, it was just, it was just almost too much for me, really. At the beginning, I just, I don't, I actually don't know how to do this. They're just all the different ages and all the anxiety and school stuff and everything. I was like, this is, this is ludicrous. Yeah. I don't really know. Cause also when Mickey, when it started, Mickey was 14 months at the stage where he's crawling. So it wasn't like a little person where you sit them down and they don't move or, you know, they're lying on their back on a rug for a bit with some toys. Like, no, he was, you know, everywhere into cupboards, pulling things open, trying to do this. And I just thought, I don't. I don't know how I'm going to be productive. Like, we're just going to have to sort of survive each day. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's, I think that was quite sobering for everybody because even with like my work and stuff, I just had to be like, I can't do anything right no. now. There is nothing I can do. No, I felt completely paralyzed with, with work stuff. I thought, I thought I should be doing something. I should be getting something out there. And I'm like, there's nothing I can't, I, I don't, I, I lacked a lot of skills as well. I really. But you did with your discos. They were great. That turned into something, but genuinely that wasn't, that felt more like what our family does to kind of cheer ourselves up <laughs> rather than like actually something. Oh, this is what I wanted to ask you. Mm. Um, because I read somewhere, I don't know where, but because you've always been like a role model for me with not showing their faces on Instagram. Oh. Not a role, you know what I mean? Like you've always been quite classy. And now, now I'm like, here's my kitchen. <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you think about my cattle no <laughs> no yeah you really did lately <laughs> yeah, but before <laughs> no but I just wanted to know your opinion about it because it terrifies me and when I see people broadcasting their kids faces on mm. Instagram beautiful pictures I'm not like I'm not like dissing their kids no no well I think it's but each their I own I find isn't it, it weird like I just want to know because I want to do that part of me wants to exploit my children course, I really want you love to your brothers and you want to show what they're off yeah but like, what do you, how, what do you think you're going to do in the future? Well, I've kept, I've actually kept the same on, in terms of, I don't put them in pictures on Instagram. I mm. just, for me with the gigs, first of all, gigs, God, that's such an elaborate way of determining it. It really wasn't a gig. Me singing in the kitchen. That was a gig in lockdown. <laughs> it was. Um, that's a real delusional moment. Yeah. When I was in front of the crowds, <laughs> no, I'm um, basically with the, with our discos. Um, I felt like when we got, put into lockdown I felt like I wasn't doing it I wasn't doing the discos as a kind of I'm going to you know I sing to to perform to you I felt like it was like I'm a mum I'm with all my children and my husband everything's crazy and this is what we do to make ourselves feel happy so I felt like I was just doing singing because that's something I know how to do but actually I was really doing it more as me it was Mm. just totally me and my way of coping and like Sonny my eldest said to me after one of them he said you know you use the disco is really to sort of have a little bit of a rant. And I was like, it's true. I would be singing and then between singing, we're like, they all need haircuts and my iPad got broken today. And, um, you know, we can't homeschool and I can't see any of my friends. And, you know, it's like, I just saw like a catharsis really. Mm. So I felt like, I feel like with social media, in fact, with anything really context is so much part of the decisions you make anyway. So I still don't put their faces on pictures because I feel like I still little my, 
My 11-year-old's very interested. He loves social media stuff and he's always TikToking all this stuff. So I've done him a little bit because he's 11 and I feel like I can ask him. And Sonny was 12 when I first put his picture up and I asked him. I feel like he's old enough to decide. But, you know, time might tell. I might be totally wrong about that. He exactly. might turn around when he's older and be like, why did you do that? But the little ones, I just feel like they're too little to know. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's really, it really worries me because I have, whenever I have shown their faces, I, I always feel quite weird after yeah me too. i think i feel weird when when people are like oh my god johnny's so cute and i'm like but you don't know him yeah well i think trust your instinct with it and I, my whole thing with what i post is really if i've got something in me saying i'm not sure don't do it exactly it's so, not worth it yeah i i really appreciate hearing other people say that because i think it is bizarre to not have a sense of um even though i don't want to be judgmental and stuff i think it is crazy in this period of time to not think about the consequences the long term we don't know like we don't know with the the virus we don't know what what this is going to yeah. be for the future we don't know what social media is going to be for the future for the it's kids either true. and also i think you're so right there about the discos were a completely different thing to you as a in with who you are and what you're trying to do in your public persona as a working woman and so whenever i now post things i'm like who am i posting this for yeah. I'm posting this for, for, so that it's, it's, a, it's about my job and mm. my career. Or am I posting this because I want to be seen as a mother? Like, and in which case, do I really need to show that off? I'd much prefer to broadcast something which is like, show me as a mother who's working because this is what my Instagram is. It's like, my, this is my job. Yeah. It's now literally my livelihood, basically. So, um, but when it's like a photo of Donnie being cute, like, is that doing anything for my, what, what is that yeah. for? Who is that for? Because yeah. it's, so it's kind of, yeah, I, it makes me feel a lot better when I see people who are doing it, making that line quite clear. Well, I think as well, it's so personal that some people that would think what I've done already is way too much and way too personal. I think, I think no. you've just got to go with your own, your own feeling about it really. And yeah, with the little ones, I just feel, I just, I don't really want them to suddenly be like, oh, that was actually quite a, per-. for them, like if they get dressed up into something, like, I think it's adorable and I, or funny. But I think, ah, uh, if I show their face and then when they're older, they're going to be like, I didn't know you were going to show like mm. thousands of people. I yeah. thought you were just showing grandma or whatever. So yeah. I don't know. I feel a bit uncomfortable. But and it's not like you don't so- have those pictures. No, you and have also, pictures. I, I genuinely don't judge other people. I, I, I happily look at lovely family pictures that are posted from other people and I don't think, why are you doing that? So, so you don't get jealous because I get really jealous. <laughs> I sometimes think, oh, I, I've got things I could show that are a bit like that or, oh, they did something really funny and I'd like to share it. But I guess it's like that thing, isn't it? Just something at the last minute just stops me from thinking that's what I want to do. But then, as I say, some people would think things I've already done. I know there was one thing I did post and Richard was like, I'm not sure you should have posted that. Where I thought it was really funny, but um, during lockdown we had this doodle book and the kids were using it, it seemed to put like a lot of their uh, stresses and I, w- I let them do literally anything they could swear or whatever. So like Ray had done this, um, <laughs> there was a picture that was um, to colour in of the sound of music, had Maria running over the field, over the hill with the children, the Von Trapp children in the background and Captain Von Trapp standing to the side and Ray had drawn a speech bubble Oh, that's right. A speech bubble out of Maria saying, tra-la-la, and a speech bubble out of Captain Montrap saying, F you. And I just thought it was really funny, like, especially when I kept singing Julie Andrews during the <laughs> lockdown. I was like, wow, he's really, what's, what's he trying to tell me? Yeah. So I posted it, and afterwards Richard was like, oh, I don't know, you know, what if people think that that's his actual trauma, and you're just kind of saying it's funny. Oh, no. I don't know, I think it's mainly funny. Yes, yeah, I, I would have, I think I would have gone full into instagramming them fully if not for alfie it's it's been the only thing we've had proper ethical like 
yeah. parenting fights about. And the thing is, you're, you're both kind of right in a way, I think, actually. I think you could probably put loads of stuff up and it's nothing. I mean, there's so much out there. It's like wallpaper, you know? It's like if you look through... Like, um, Kit used to do a lot of, he does a lot of YouTube videos. And at first I was like, oh, should he be doing that? I'm like, if you look, there's like swathes and swathes of kids narrating themselves playing Minecraft. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's largely pretty boring. It's not really, you know, it's sort of something and nothing. Yeah. But you've got to make these decisions as a family. It's, it's really tough. It's, it's a very new thing to navigate. Yeah. It's really but if, so if you put it up, it's, I think it's fine. And if you don't put it up, I think it's fine. Yeah. I know that's not very helpful, but uh, yeah, you do what works for you. And I, Personally, for me, there's always just something at the last minute would just make me think, ah. Yeah. It's like if I do a job and they say, oh, we'd like the kids involved. I'm yeah. always like, definitely no faces. But then I spoke to Candice Brathwaite, who's done lots of stuff with her family. And she's like very unapologetic about like, this is work. And I tell them it's work. And then I show them that they've earned some money from the job we've done, the ad. And they've put it in an account and they can see what they're doing. And I was like, that's pretty cool as well. Like, if, yeah. they, if it works for your family, like... These little things, they're so, they're so specific to your own dynamic, aren't they? Yeah. And they filter through every, all the decisions you make. It won't be just literally how you feel about social media, it'll be it affects how you, I don't know, how engaged you are in the school or whatever. What, you know, there's mm. lots of ways that our feelings come out in all yeah, different directions. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, it's, I'm just completely aware now that there's always another thing that I can worry about, but actually it's sometimes nice just to be like, it's just forget about it for a second. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's all, it, it won't really go away as well. We are learning about it. And, you know, there are really st- scary statistics about depression and young people and all this stuff. So it's definitely, I do think it should be something that's spoken about more and investigated more just to make sure that kids are being protected. I hate the fact that places like Twitter and TikTok and stuff have literally no moral core at mm. all. Like the, recently there was a thing on TikTok where there was a suicide video going around and it had been embedded into loads of other videos so it would start off seemingly innocent and then it would switch to this suicide. And I'm like, if that was a, a thing I'd set up, if I'd set up TikTok, I'd be like, we're shutting this yeah. down and work and taking it away. Yeah. But they were just like, oh, we can't do anything. Yeah. I just think that's really irresponsible. Really, I hate that. Yeah. I mean, how are we supposed to help kids? I mean, most of it's just kids dancing along to... Yeah. You know, I don't mind it when it's like... I, I, I think they know... They, they definitely know the word Instagram, which is terrifying. But um, I think it's more because I've, you know, occasionally done like a puppy dog filter on something yeah. with them and they enjoy it. And I, I don't ever post them, but they, they know it's there. So they always ask for the puppy dog. No, I mean, but, I've done um, that. It's fine. Mickey and I were broccoli the other day. It's like, I think it's yeah. fine. No, it's fine. I don't think he's going to look back at that and be like, I wish you hadn't put me as broccoli on your Instagram. <laughs> Maybe he will. <laughs> yeah, but also it's funny when you put on something other than CBBS and you see the amount of adverts directed at kids. like, mm. And then the day you know, the second that they watch these adverts, they want this stuff. It's yeah. Kind of, their brains are so susceptible. They are, yeah. It's very easy to breed a tiny consumer. I definitely have that with my four-year-old. He's got a very, very long Amazon wish list at the moment. Yeah. Gearing well, up for YouTube number kids. five. YouTube kids. Oh, That's yeah. what it is. But then they do pick and choose. Like, Ray's had exactly the same things he's supposed to. He's eight, and he reads. He just will always pick up a book. Aww. And I'm like, well, there you go. That's his thing he's chosen is his. They don't. All, they kind of all have the same options, but then... End up doing their own thing, yeah. I think. Oh, it's amazing, Hopefully. five kids, <laughs> to see that the difference in personalities. Like, yes. all of us five were, like, and are completely different. Yeah, isn't and that crazy? Yeah, it's amazing. And is everybody really excited about the new baby? I think that they're just surprised by my whole journey. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think 
because uh, yeah I it's just so you know I think the the fact that me and Alfie are together and that all happened is just it's just been like another thing that I'm doing that's slightly are they used to you being do they think you're quite dramatic then with the sort of uh, different things that happen yeah I think my older brother is always quite surprised by I, I think he just always thought I was very weird so I think he's quite comforted now that I've managed to find a career out being weird and <laughs> I think he's uh yeah he's he's got on board with everything and I think when he has a baby it'll be such a nice bonding experience um which I'm, have you got siblings who've got kids no Oh, I guess they're younger. Yeah, I really want them to get started. I can't wait to be an auntie. Is your closest sibling a boy? Yeah, so my brother, he's, yeah, he's 32. And then, um, actually, he's 33 now. He just turned 33. Yeah, and then Martha is, uh, she's going to be 30 in December. Boys have babies later. Yeah. So maybe Martha will have the first one. No, I just want to... I mean, Richard is dead. He's like, can someone else please take does over he not the battle? Have, um, does he have any siblings? He's, he's got, got one brother who's not got any children and won't have any children. That's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Whereas so, some people can have one kid, but they have brothers and sisters who have so many that yeah. it's kind of... It becomes a thing. Yeah, I'm really look, looking forward to finding people having kids <laughs> that they can play with. I've yeah. had... It was, so, it was so sad, the birthday party on Saturday. It was just all of like just adults and Donnie. And I was like, I, I promise I'll give you a birthday party soon. I promise. Oh, he's fine. We had the saddest lockdown birthday for Ray when he turned eight in April because he had a birthday party with all his teddy bears and he sat outside <laughs> in the garden with all these stuffed toys around him and like did plates and stuff. And I was taking pictures. He wanted me to take pictures. I was at this little Polaroid <laughs> somewhere on a shelf or something. And it just is the most <laughs> tragic looking little, it's like the saddest picture you've ever seen. Like, and I did, I decided to do a, a pass the parcel and, um, the second thing in from the top was a, a metal pencil case, which by accident, we've got one of these weird induction hobs, you know those things? Yeah. So by accident, I started cooking <laughs> the, the pencil case and it burnt through. So when someone won it and the, when the, then they wrapped it, all the stuff inside was melted. Oh, yeah. That's, that's actually good. quite funny. But yeah, so it wasn't the best. Don't worry. No, no yeah. birthday can be um, sadder than the But I thought that it would be toys. over by October. You know, like I, mm. I genuinely thought, oh, he'll, I'll be able to have one finally yeah. for him. Um, but they don't mind as long as they get presents. Yeah, and it's happening to everybody. It's not like yeah. it's just him. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening to everybody. The WhatsApp for his his year at school, they sent, like, birthday messages to him. And it was all coming to me, obviously, on yeah. the WhatsApp. So I was like, do I tell him that he's got 27 messages? <laughs> so I went, I went and I, sh- I sat down, opened WhatsApp, and I showed him the 27 messages with emoticons, all from the, mu- the mums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and he was... But he was so touched. And I was like, that's just so tragic. It's a Aww. WhatsApp. You're so looking at my WhatsApp. No, but they like they know it's communication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I think um yeah, your mum must be very excited about a new baby. Yeah, I think it will be brilliant for us and um, it it'll be a boy, so that'll be quite like symbolic. Um that I really symbolic. didn't want it to be a boy because I was like, if it's a boy, I'm just gonna think of Ben. But I'm embracing that. And, you know, it's, it, that's a really weird thing to say, but I did, that's what I thought. I just was kind of scared about kind of the connotations of having a baby boy after Ben. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's weird. I think that's probably really normal. Yeah. It was so funny because you, because you're not allowed anyone in for the scans and stuff. So when I had the scan to find out if it was a boy or a girl, um, and she said, um, oh, it's definitely a boy. I started crying, but she didn't know. She thought I was crying because I didn't want a boy. <laughs> 
But I was crying because of Ben. Mm. But I couldn't then be like, I'm crying because my brother died and, you know, I was scared about having a boy because uh, I couldn't say any of this because the second you, you act like you're mentally unstable in a hospital, they're going to, you know, say you need counselling and all this stuff. And I've had to be so careful at all of my appointments to be like, when they ask, you know, how are you? And, you know, how's it going? I've had to be like, I'm, I've, I've, I've had to make a clear decision to, to lie and to be like, I'm fine. You know, I don't say like, I'm writing a book. I've got two kids. I'm really stressed. I'm grieving quite heavily. All this stuff I've had to just, because they, I'm just like, so many red flags, just so many red flags. And I know I'm, I know I'm okay. I know I'm coping, mm. but they, by the way I look and the way I sound and the, the context of everything, I know that I'm going to be put into a category that I, I wouldn't be right for. Do so, you think they would think that's a red flag? I mean, I think, um, I think, uh, being sad when there's a reason is is really normal. I know, but I think that they they when I did say to one midwife all of this stuff, and she was like, "Right, have you thought about Headspace, the app?" And oh. I was like, "That app is going to do nothing for me. You think that app is going to do anything?" For me? And she was like, "Okay, have you thought about counselling?" And I was like, "Yeah. Well, how am I going to find a counsellor right now? And how am I going to find a therapist? Right? I don't have time to like cook dinner. Mm. How am I going to find a therapist?" I think that people, you know, it's, it's it's quite old fashioned in a lot of ways. It's not very, so yeah. I'd but probably, that might also say a lot about how we deal with, you know, grief and things like that. Anyway, exactly. Like I don't need a counselor or a therapist right now. I'm going through something that is yeah. bigger than that. And yes, in five years' time or two years' time, I might be up for having some therapy for it. But it's way too soon. It's like you might not need if you, you know, there, there's lots of ways to find the help you need. Exactly, and I found the death books have been really good for that, mm. so that's fine. I've taught myself quite a lot, um, and also I'm not like a big therapy fan, um, partly because I don't like looking back, really. I like thinking about, you know, sorry, that was my stomach rumbling. That reminds me of doing that. Yeah, I'm not anti-therapy, but I definitely don't think I'm a good candidate for it. I think I'm quite, like, stubborn and... I also, I can't get over the fact that I'm talking to a stranger. Mm. I yeah. Of, I can talk to my mom or my yeah. sister. Oh, yeah. I find that weird. I think if you know the people that help you, then it's fine. And um, I think from everything I've heard about, sometimes you'll talk about something and you'll say, is that weird? But I think you've shown so many good examples of when weird is really brilliant. Like, I think weird is so underrated. I'm always telling my kids, weird is... There's someone say, oh, they call me weird. I'm like, that's great. Aww. Weird is really good. I think weird should be more celebrated. I think now that's that's going to happen more and more. But I think growing up in that period of time, being a teenager when I was weird, mm. it wasn't cool. Now it's kind of the, the geeky programs are cool and, the you know, it's cool to be a geek. And um, But it really wasn't back then. It was kind of much more... Really would not want wish anyone to be a teenager in that period of time. Or no, a pop star. But I think, being, but I think being a teenager is, is just, you're, you're desperate to iron out anything about you that stands you out or yeah. marks you as different. Well, yeah, I just kind of kept away from the, I just, I'd kept myself away, which I think was quite helpful in a way. But yeah, it would be really interesting to see if Donnie and Margot are weird. <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah, oh. I think there's a very little doubt they will be slightly <laughs> weird with the upbringing so far. Yeah, they can hang out with my weird kids. It's all good. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I love that we finish on a celebration of being weird. 
It's funny, my kids are often saying to me, so-and-so said I'm weird. I say, well, great. That's a good thing, isn't it? All my favorite people are a little bit, little bit peculiar. You know, being typical is uh, quite boring, really, isn't it? A life less ordinary and all that. But yes, it was lovely hanging out with Jesse. It's been lovely hanging out with you again. Next week, have I got next week? Oh, next week I've got Holly Tucker who set up notonthehighstreet.com. So we talk a lot about independent businesses. We talk a lot about how to stay motivated and focused if you are running your own business or thinking about it. Um, it's very timely. I wanted to put it out right now because of Christmas as well. And I'm in, fully intending on doing as much as I can to shop small this Christmas. I just think, you know, for every small business that you can support with a Christmas present or, a, you know, a purchase, it means so much to those people. And let's face it, they've probably had a pretty scary year. Setting up a business on your own at any time is pretty daunting, but getting through a year like this, I actually think now's the time that those businesses can really come into their own in some ways because you are more intrigued in the stories behind it. We've all been united by something and sometimes the big global companies are a bit faceless when it comes to a shared human experience like we've had this year. So yes, Holly had lots of wisdom. And thank you so much for listening to me and Jesse. I loved our chat. I walked away feeling really inspired and happy and also just thought, what a lovely girl, wishing her all the best. And I'm so excited to see that Abraham, little Bam, is here safe and sound because there's nothing more like a happy ending than a beautiful new baby. So thanks to you. I will see you soon. Lots and lots of love. Have a lovely week. And now I'm going to go and take the kids out for a walk in that sunshine. Take care. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.